Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, everybody. It's Brian Kemper. Welcome to Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock. I am the director of Stand True Pro-Life Outreach, which is the youth outreach of Priests for Life. On this week's show, I have a very special guest uh, from, well, since I live in Ohio, I have to say the state up north. I'm not really allowed to say the name of it. I'll let her say it. Kristen Polo with Pro Protect Life Michigan. I said oh, it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Kristen, how are we doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Not a problem. I'm actually not a bit, I'm not an Ohio State fan, so it's good. I, I'm still a California boy, but. We can still uh, be friends then. <laughs> yes. Uh, e- even our local brewery, the beer, they call it Michigan Lager instead of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we're that mean to you guys down in Ohio. Gee. No, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> Kristen, it's it's so good to have you. Um, I have been doing this show for a while and getting to have all, all of my pro-life heroes on the show. And you were definitely one of my pro-life heroes. Um, I think that the, what you have done up in Michigan and, you know, organizing Protect Life Michigan and what you built it to be is absolutely amazing. The work that you guys do on campuses. I know I'm going to be up there in next month and uh, coming up to, to speak to your interns. I always love coming to Michigan. It's a beautiful state. But I want you to go ahead and tell our viewers a little bit about you and your testimony, a quick testimony of how you got involved in pro-life work and what made you want to start your own organization. Yeah, well, thank you. I first got involved as a high school student when uh, Barack Obama was running for president. And it's interesting, the moment our nation is in right now um, with the Dobbs decision and so many conversations happening in our states and nationally about abortion, it was a moment like that when Barack Obama was first running for president. Everyone was talking about abortion and God really had laid it heavily on my heart. I didn't have a particularly political or pro-life upbringing. I grew up in a Christian household, but my family wasn't really engaged in these things. But I was so convicted about abortion, hearing the stories of women who had experienced abortion and how it had haunted them and the healing that they needed as a result of that. Um, And then being an advocate for human rights, I just didn't want anyone to ever have to go through this. And I I was so scared about this candidate that was running that was the most Mm -hmm. at that time radically pro-abortion candidate ever and that's how I initially got involved I joined a right to life chapter and they like weren't really sure what to do with me and had a (laughs) pro-life student group and it's interesting I'm sure you've experienced this as you're involved in the pro-life movement they just kind of like pull you in deeper and deeper and so No matter how hard I tried to get away, I went and studied politics at the University of Michigan, went out to D.C. and was doing some political work there. I tried to be a piano teacher, classical piano teacher. I just kept coming back to this fight, knowing that there's such a need to do something. I had the ability as a young person to do something. I I just couldn't ignore it. And so finally surrendered to that and really decided to give my life to this human rights cause fighting for um, equality for all human beings starting at conception. 
That is awesome. When, remind me when we first met. Was it at the March for Life? Was it up in Michigan? It was a long time ago, Brian. <laughs> I don't know, but it was, you know, close to 15 years ago. It's it's amazing to me. I love to see um, people like you and the work that you do. And, and because when I first got involved in the pro-life movement, it was a long time ago. Uh, it's been about 35 years. So it's, it was a long time ago. And, and at first, nobody knew how to take me, obviously, this tattooed, pierced, mohawk, crazy guy showing up at pro-life events. <laughs> And people didn't know how to take me, but it, it, it one of the things that that always struck me was there wasn't a lot for youth that they could take ownership of, right. that they could say is their thing. And I even remember years and years ago, uh, Judy Brown with American Life League had asked me a question. She she showed me their magazine and said, Brian, we want to reach the youth. So we have our adult magazine. And we have a youth page in the center of it. How do we make it cool? I said, the first thing you need to do is don't have a youth page in the adult magazine. Develop something with the youth for the youth. And that's how that got started and such. But I, I've had the, the blessing, uh, absolute honor of having interns for, for so many years. One of my very first interns was actually Brandy Swindell wow. of Stanton Healthcare. She was one wow. of our very first in, interns with Rock for Life. Powerhouse. Yeah. And then I, I believe you may have stolen several uh or or you know, not stolen. Three of them. I stole three. Three of them. Done. I think they were done with their internships. Oh so. yeah, they were. No, my whole thing was I want young people to go out and change the world. That's I right. Wanted, I wanted them to come in to learn the little bit that they can learn from me, but I know that there's a million more things they can learn. And you've had a great legacy of doing that, Brian. Some of the best people that we've hired here at Protect Life Michigan have come through that internship. And really, you can see a result of your efforts in the way that so many other young people have given their lives up for this cause. And I think that's so important because we're going up against a billion dollar industry. They're willing to spend all the money in the world and they have you know, the medical community and the press and culture in their pocket we need more young people to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to give my life to this and fight abortion in whatever way God calls me to. And I think it's an incredible thing to see how you've helped that happen for so many people. Well, I, I give 100% of the credit to the Lord because I'm just an idiot who follows it. That's all I am. But um, I'm, I want people to, to, to know about your story when it comes to Protect Life Michigan because I think it's very unique. Um, being a state student group yeah. to basically one of the premier pro-life organizations in the state, uh, yeah. way more than just a student campus group. So kind of tell us how that got started and, and, and the whole story of, of where you guys are now. Sure. So we were actually founded back in 2005 before I was ever involved, but we just had a board of directors, like five volunteers that would organize a trip to the March for Life and do a little pro-life conference every year. In fact, my first year planning that conference, I brought you in as a speaker, yes. I think in 2012. And so we started as this umbrella group for like six pro-life college groups across the state. Um, so that those leaders could come together and not reinvent the wheel, but get on the same page about how to do pro-life work on campus. But it grew over the years. I was the first employee 
um, in like 2013, 2014, I came to the organization and said, there is such a missed opportunity here. The pro-life movement is aging. There aren't enough people and organizations focusing on young people. And Michigan is an incredibly vibrant pro-life state. Like we have an opportunity here to change the course of this cause, not just in Michigan, but nationally through the students that we recruit and change. And I was scared, frankly, like when I brought that idea to their board of directors and said, you guys need to start hiring people. You need to build this organization. They were like, yes, we love that. You should do it. (laughs) No, no way. Um, Go find someone else. I was really afraid of the sacrifice that that would take, um, not just with my life, but my popularity and, and what that would mean. I was afraid of fundraising, so many things, but ultimately God just kept bringing me to this place of surrender where I knew that was what I needed to do. And so I quit teaching piano lessons. I went in full force, went to this two two day fundraising boot camp, and learned how to raise money, which was my biggest fear. Uh, and I think it's everyone's biggest fear when they enter the movement. And you know, what's crazy is it's like my favorite part of the job now, because I get to go to all these people who want to do something. They want to fight for the right to life, but they don't know what to do. And they have finances They They have this ability to help. And I'm, I'm like blessing them by giving them an opportunity to engage. And so we've taught so many other young people how to do that. Everyone who works for us is a missionary. They raise their own support to do this work. And now this year we have close to a million dollar budget. And that first year when I came on in like 2014, our budget was like $3,000. So it's been beautiful to see how we've grown going from five campus groups. Now we have a pro-life campus group on every college in the state. 30 high school groups. We've even expanded to work with young professionals now so that they have an opportunity to stay involved. And our entire method is about getting out there and talking to people about abortion. We want to change public opinion by having conversations framed through a human rights perspective. Um, And just this year, we've already changed like 1,500 pro-choice minds on college campuses, students who were pro-choice, and after just a few minutes of conversation with us, completely rejected abortion and changed their position. That's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I know that one of the things I I love about pro-life work is, is the family that we have. And it's, it's worldwide. I, I have, I, I have run into people in Australia wearing my t-shirts. You know, I've I've seen stuff everywhere. I've, I've been on a ski lift going by and seeing one of my stickers on the pole. Now I'm not, you know, saying it's good to vandalize, but it was kind of cool to see abortion is mean right there on the ski lift pole as you go by and such. But, and even I remember years back, uh, you were on vacation Yet you still stop by the Survivors Pro-Life Boot Camp to talk to the kids and, and just yeah. give a little bit of your time. And I, I know that your husband is a saint. Or uh, <laughs> Anybody married to a pro-life activist is a saint automatically. Well, I'm blessed because he is just as committed to this as I am. He travels all over the state speaking. He's a software engineer, so he's built a lot of uh, software for Protect Like Michigan so that we can streamline and scale. And 
it, it's such a blessing to have him supporting us in the same way. Cause now we get to do this mission together. You know, it's not just my thing. So tell me about some of the projects that like, where did it start with what, what were the biggest projects and where have they gone with protect life Michigan? Yeah, it's crazy because things change a lot when you work with young people. Like we are reevaluating every time we do something to see, does this still work? Do we need to change things? We used to do an annual conference and events, you know, struggle now. So we, we're yeah. not doing as many of those, but we do frequent smaller scale trainings. Really, we've streamlined everything we do into just trying to get people uh, to learn how to talk about abortion in a winsome way, and then just immediately getting them out there and doing it. It feels like a scary thing to go talk to a stranger on the street about abortion, but we want to get them out there doing it right away because as soon as they do, they see it's really not that hard at all. And 20% of the people that we talk to on the street have an immediate change of heart about abortion, right then and there, 20%. So when people get to experience that, they're like, they realize they're actually doing something about the problem. They're being a part of the solution. Um, and it's contagious, right? It's infectious. They want to do mm -hmm. more. So all of our programs now are centered around learning how to talk about it and getting out there and doing it. This school year, we reached half a million students with the reality of abortion. Like I said, we changed thousands of minds. Um, so that's the bulk of what we do. But we also want to be there for pregnant and parenting students on campus as well. So we have a marketing um, and and resource website called projectrosie.com. We start scholarships for pregnant and parenting students. We try to connect them with pregnancy centers. Um, just today, we got an ultrasound from a young uh, student at a nearby college who's pregnant and is choosing life. And uh, it's just, it's cool to be a part of both aspects, changing people's minds, making abortion unthinkable, but also making it unnecessary as well. You know, I think that's that's it's so important, Kristen, and and it's something I'm I'll be speaking at uh, National Right to Life uh, at the end of June, and the main topic that I'm going to talk about is something that's very dear to my heart, um, because I do believe that a lot of times, good-hearted and good-intentioned Christians can cause people to go to the abortion clinic, um, and that comes from that there's such a, a stigma and a shame for a young girl that finds herself pregnant. And I, I want to blast the message from every rooftop that pregnancy is not a sin. Amen. Being pregnant is not a sin. And it's, it's, I have talked to multiple, multiple, I can't even tell you how many pastors, youth leaders, who are at the abortion mill, pastors who are so afraid that if the congregation finds out that their teenage daughter is pregnant, that they'll be driven from the pulpit or driven from the church. They're, they're, they're more worried about the shame that shouldn't exist. And it's so personal for me because my mother um, got pregnant in 1966 and she was not married. And I was, I was, my mother tried to find an abortion because she was too afraid of telling my grandparents. And it ended up when my grandparents found out they were so ashamed that they sent my mother to another city until the baby was born. So nobody would find out about me. 
And that that was a pain that I had to get healed from. I, I had to be healed from that pain of knowing that. But then realizing that if if they would have embraced her and if 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 people would have embraced her and loved her and shown her the mercy and the grace of God, that that wouldn't have had to happen. And it it, it all came really to a head when years back, um, my teenage daughter was crying in a hallway and she looked up and I'm like, baby, what's wrong? And she said, daddy, I'm pregnant. And uh, the first thing that I did is I just picked her up off the ground and hugged her. And I said, I love you. That was the only words I said, I love you. Yes. And she looked exactly at what she needed to hear. Right. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, daddy, aren't you mad at me? And I'm like, are you crazy? You just told me I'm a grandpa. <laughs> like, I'm a grandpa. And I even, after a little while, the, the boyfriend was outside because I'm a big, scary guy and he didn't want to be there. And I walked towards him outside and he was getting nervous and I gave him a big hug and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you're stuck with me now, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And that message is so important, Brian, because it's hard to even put into words how many lives would be here today if that was the response that girls were met with when they yeah. shared that news? How many people would be here today that aren't? And this is something that the church needs to hear. It's funny, we have a story in common. My mom was in an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy with me. And one of her major reasons for wanting an abortion was because of that shame that she would face in her church. My husband, um, we're Protestant. He went to seminary and has done some sermons on abortion and is really an advocate for churches talking about this issue. And I've heard him say before that there's a few things that happen when a church is silent about abortion. Women in the pews either think this is no big deal. It doesn't matter. Um, and so they don't know what to believe about abortions. And maybe they'll have them thinking that the church doesn't even have a position on it. But on the opposite side, they might feel shamed like our mothers did or our family has. Um, and then they might also if they've experienced an abortion or anyone who's been a part of an abortion is sitting in a pew and they hear that church talk about pornography and divorce and tithing and any issue under the sun, but they won't mention abortion. What if they think that this is this unforgivable sin that God's grace won't cover? He'll cover all of that other stuff, but this is so bad that Christ's forgiveness doesn't cover it. I fear that all of those impacts from a church being silent and we need to speak up we can do so in love we don't have to shame people make the problem worse we can do so in love but we need the voices of our pastors and the people in our church to be addressing this absolutely there's I, i'm not going to say this 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 minister's name because i don't want to bring anybody to his platform mm -hmm. but uh, i do a lot of outreach on tiktok and other social media platforms and there's this, this pastor that's being blasted everywhere because he's screaming and yelling, if you're a Democrat, get out of my church. If you're this, get out of my church. And just such vile hatred. And I just like, isn't church supposed to be a hospital? Right. Isn't church supposed to be where every single person on this planet can come and understand the absolute 
monumental, unconditional love yes. of Jesus Christ. Yes, you know? exactly and, right. And we have to keep fighting for a world in which that happens. Be a voice in your own church. If they're not talking about it, force them to have. I mean, I'm just like so annoying in the churches that I go to constantly bringing this to the pastor's attention and to the ministry teams there because I'll be the one to make sure it's on their radar. I'm willing to do that. And other people should be as well. I would rather all the congregants stand in the back and the church is so filled up with prostitutes and drug addicts and 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 anybody that just needs healing anyone that just needs love of christ and they should all be welcomed in i don't care what you're wearing what you smell like what you look like you should be welcomed into that church and understand the love that we understand and and it's i've always said to people because they they think oh you know it, it seems like they want to steer away from these people because oh they they're sinners and no oh, you know and in all reality, you know, I, I've used this this analogy like if if I were in a room of 50 people and I told them, hey, everybody, just for, for you need to know that exactly 12 noon for five minutes, everybody in this room is going to know every single thought on your heart and mind if you stay in this room. How many people do you think would run out of that room? All of them. <laughs> including myself, including myself. But that's, that's the beauty of Christ. He already knows every thought. He already knows everything. And he still loves us every second of every day unconditionally. That's right. And that's what pregnant young people need to, need to know, that, that God loves them. No matter how humans may treat them, right. God loves them completely. That's right. So I, I can't believe we're, we're already at 22 minutes. Uh, we, we've got a little bit. I want you to, to talk to me about, and I'm sure that your staff, because uh, I know our staff has, every pro-life staff has, what are your thoughts on doing this work in a post-Roe America? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm excited for that opportunity here in Michigan, especially. We're already so far down the line now looking forward to the November election because um, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU are fighting for a constitutional amendment in our state to make abortion an unrestricted and unregulated constitutional right. It is one of the worst amendments I've ever seen proposed. It would make partial birth abortion legal here. It would repeal parental consent. Every surgery requires parental consent. Why should abortion be any different? There's 47 state laws that this would impact. So as much as I want to celebrate this good news, because a Michigan, Michigan has a great law in the books that protects human life. You, um, you do have a trigger law, correct? We do, but it's already being fought. So we're we're already down the line with several lawsuits coming up against this law, this proposed amendment by Planned Parenthood that we're trying to fight. So we're we're kind of putting all of our campus work on pause to focus on protecting the rights of all human beings legally here in Michigan, making sure that our pro-life, pro-woman law stays in place in a post-Roe world. And we have such a huge battle. If anyone watching is from Michigan, I would encourage them to please get involved. We need people, volunteers, supporters 
just be able to educate their friends about what this is. We need pro-life people more than ever before. It's going to be an ugly fight here in Michigan, but in so many other states, it's going to be a time to celebrate as they've shored up great wins. So I um, am thrilled with, you know, Roe falling. I want to see it overturned, but there are going to be big battles on the horizon. So many people think that the fall of Roe is the end. Like No, it's the beginning. It is the really the beginning. This has all been this has all been warm up. Exactly. And that's when things are gonna get really crazy. So if you've been considering getting involved in a deeper way, this is the year. This is the moment to do it. And I can tell you, I think like I said, Kate and Nora and Abby and all of these your your great staff up there who I've worked with, such an honor to work with all of you guys. You guys, I think, would be a great group for anyone to come and learn from. I, I, I really believe that. And so I hope anyone watching that's in the Michigan area uh, or planning to, to go to school in Michigan, whatever it might be, to get involved with Protect Life Michigan. How can people tell us right now some of the ways that they can get a hold of you? What's the, some of the best uh, connections they can make? Two things. The first is to go to our website, protectlifemi.org. Um, you can sign up there for updates, but the best thing is to follow us on social media. We're posting all the time about things that we have going on. We do story updates from campus. We have a great TikTok account. So follow us, go to our website, protectlifemi.org. But anyone who's interested in getting involved in this fight that we have here in Michigan to defeat this Anything Goes Abortion Amendment, and also go to our coalition website, which is supportmiwomenandchildren.org. You'd like to get involved in those efforts. We really need a lot of help. Now, I know it's probably full right now for this summer, but you do have a summer internship. I know that because I'm going to come speak to your interns. Can't wait. Tell us about your internship. Yeah, so we do a summer internship. It's one of the most intensive trainings that we do. Um, our interns meet two days a week for classroom training and outreach, and then they work in cohorts on all kinds of really cutting edge pro-life projects. So it's a great way to get experience in what it's like to work in a pro-life nonprofit and one of the most strategic pro-life nonprofits in the country. We don't just have them do boring database work. They are truly on the front lines implementing new strategies so that we can change more minds and save more lives. So we have that uh, internship that goes all summer, but an opportunity people might be interested in a mini version of that is our Life Advocate Intensive. You can find that on our website too under events. But our Life Advocate Intensive is a three-day, very intense training. We read an entire book about how to have pro-life conversations. And then we have three days of outreach where we go out into the streets of Grand Rapids and talk to people about abortion. It is life-changing. Everyone who goes through this says it is totally life-changing. So check out our Life Advocate Intensive as well. Excellent. Well, Kristen, I, again, it's been an honor. I mean, there's so many more things I'd love to talk about, but we're getting uh, close to the end of time. I, I'm actually thinking it might be kind of fun for me to bring my my gear with me. And after after uh, when we do the talks, maybe do a show featuring all of your interns and let them talk about stuff they've learned about. I think I think my audience would love to, to see that. So maybe we'll get that set up and yeah. be able to record one of our shows up there. Let's do it. That'd be great. Sounds great. Well, we only have a couple minutes left. Uh, I hope everybody will go to protectlife.mi or protectlifemi.org. 
and check out the website. And I think you're going to love the work that they're doing. Even if you're not in Michigan, um, check out what they're doing up there. And, and I hope everyone will be praying for them up there. And uh, I'm excited to, to come up. And like I said, I'll do a show from up there. And I'll have to I'll have to have some of my old interns on with me, though. Well, I'll make sure they're there. So they're, now they're the big rock stars. I'm just the little guy now. No, that's not true. So anyway, Kristen, would you do me the honor of closing our show in prayer? Absolutely. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you so much for the way that you are at work right now in this effort to protect human beings in the womb. I am so thrilled to see where we are today. I mean, I never thought that I would see this kind of progress in my lifetime. And I just praise you for how you're working to make abortion unlawful, unthinkable, and unnecessary. I pray that you would bless all of the people who are involved in this effort, continue to draw them closer to you and deeper into this work. Um, and I just pray that your will would be done within this movement, within this cause. Unify us pro-life people, Lord. Give us direction as we do this work and continue to bless these efforts. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Hey, everybody, this has been Pro-Life is the New Punk Rock with my guest, Kristen Polo from Protect Life Michigan. Thank you for watching. I'm Brian Kemper, and we'll see you next time. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.